All right, friends and loyal listeners, I cannot even tell you how amazed and super excited I am about this month and our giveaways leading up to our 200th episodes. You guys have been absolutely amazing and I want you to keep it up. So here's the deal. I just want to give you a recap of what's been going on. So first week we had a gift coupon that went out from One Less Car Shop. So they gave out a free gift coupon to go shopping in her store and she's in a UK based. Now week two we gave away an amazing cycling cap from No Gods No Masters to a lucky individual woman who put in a review for the podcast and that's how you guys can win. All you have to do is these three things. Follow the Instagram page for the podcast, share the Instagram page for the podcast, and go to Apple Podcasts and write a review. I will be picking the winners from the reviews. So please put your Instagram handle so I can go back and check that you followed and shared the podcast. So, and this week... Barry Roubaix, Matt Acker has been so generous in giving a free registration to a lucky female. Why females? Well, it's to draw more women into cycling events like this. What do you think? Anyways, I'm super jazzed about this because I think I'm actually going to make the event and cross over the border. I'm crossing my fingers that's going to be able possible and go experience this epic event that is one of the largest gravel events in the world they say so let's recap how do you get um how do you get to win you have to follow the podcast on instagram so secrets from the saddle podcast you have to share the podcast and you go to apple listen to the episodes and write a review i mean you don't have to listen but it's always beneficial we have so many amazing titles and guests in there plus my own coaching segments um and you know what's even more cool about this is that I've been engaging in some of the guests who have shops or actual physical products or like events, uh, race registrations to give out as gifts for the giveaway. And so that's what's super cool. It's just the collaboration that's been happening. And also I want to um, remind you that you can still win. If you write a review now and you don't win this week, you can win next week, the following week or the following week. And plus our grand prize is, um, I have two grand prizes. One goes out to all the winners. There's a, somebody gets picked there. And then the second one goes out to one lucky individual who put out a review. So you could still win in the grand prize. And so I'm looking for more and more reviews to get out on our podcast because you know what that does? It helps drive our podcast to the top. And, you know, I just want the pot, I want the, the cycling podcast to get out to more people. It's just, um, a really good way and, um, to share all things cycling, right? So that's what I wanted to share with you. Um, we're doing this all the way up to our hundredth episode on March 11th. And that's when the grand prize draws our gift giveaways is going to happen. Please remember, follow, share, and review, and have yourself an amazing day because you are an amazing individual and enjoy this episode. Welcome to Secrets from the Saddle podcast. I'm Sylvie Dao, your host, fellow cyclist, 
bike club founder, cycling coach, bike race junkie, just truly super passionate about cycling. My journey with cycling started 20 years ago when I opened a spin studio, started a women's race team, and founded a women's only cycling club called Cycle Fit Chicks. I'm super thrilled to reveal all aspects that make the world of cycling operate. I'm so excited to be able to bring you interesting people from around the world, pro cyclists, recreational cyclists, coaches, event organizers, bike shop owners, everything and everyone you need to know or ever wondered about when it comes to cycling. I know you'll enjoy this episode. All right, welcome back to another episode of Secrets from the Saddle, all things cycling podcast with your host, Sylvie Dehu. And we have back Adam Barakis, who, if you caught the episode where he talked about his company, Somersault Events, he is now going to talk about his business with VeloFix. This guy is a serial entrepreneur. He has a franchise here called VeloFix. It's basically a van that goes around um, to your house to fix bikes um, on location. He's also sponsored and been at events where he is, you know, the, the guy to go fix your bike last minute before the race starts. We've all got those like, oh my God. Um, so every event organizer needs one of those guys on site. And I'm so excited to bring him here because he's got such a, uh, a really interesting story for being such a young guy. Welcome, Adam, to the podcast again. Thanks for having me back. Good to be here. Oh, my God. Okay. So if you want, you can recap how you got into cycling, but I'd love to like go straight into how you got into VeloFix, all your franchises, and now like you're the sole franchisee here. Like, yep. like let's just hear the story. I'm, I'm really, oh, yeah, yeah. everybody so it, it, it on the edge of together. So I, I was working at a yep. bike shop all through university. So you can imagine, you know, school year kind of ends in April and April is kind of when the bike season picks up. So I would work kind of part-time in the winter because the bike shop was quiet in the winter. So it helped me get this good balance of study and, and work. And then in the summer when there was no school, I could just work full-time at the bike shop. So it's it's a it's a fun little cyclical lifestyle, right? So Is that your own bike shop or for somebody else? No, I was working for somebody else. The shop no longer exists actually. So it's, it's kind of too bad, but uh, yeah, I worked, I worked at a bike shop. Like I started by sweeping floors and then kind of worked my way up to, to like the manager of the store, so to speak. But it was, uh, it was a fun gig and I loved it while I did it. But I was, it was that classic like end of university days, didn't know what I wanted to do with my life, yada, yada. So I took a year off, not necessarily by definition. I just kind of you know, finished my last exams and put kind of school behind me. And then I was just so busy with the bike shop right away that I worked all summer long. And then when September came and the hours start to go from full-time to part-time, I was kind of like, oh man, yeah, like I, I haven't applied for more schooling, so I'm not going back to school. You know, like, do I want to just keep working at a bike shop? Do I want to have the same job from age, you know, 22 to 64? And I kind of, not, I don't want to say I felt like I was meant for more, but I felt like I had more to give than just managing someone else's business for 40 years. So I was looking for something else to do with my skill set. So I have a kinesiology degree. I enjoy bike fitting. I enjoy riding bikes. I enjoy fixing bikes. I enjoy like customer interaction. I had all these kind of you know, random skill sets and I couldn't find a job that let me do all of that. 
Like I could go be a mechanic somewhere, but then I don't get to talk to my customers. I can go be a sales rep for a great brand like Shimano, but then you don't get to ever work on a bike. So I was, I was really struggling like a lot of you know, people in their early 20s do. So uh, through my research, I came across Velofix. So that's where I heard about the franchise, which is actively trying to find something. And I, I bought my first franchise. Gosh, it, would have, it was uh, actually it was on Christmas Eve, 2015. So that's when I, I had to rush to the bank to get the check-in before they closed for the holidays. But it was oh uh, December 24, 2015 or 14. Uh, it all flies. Oh my gosh. So, okay. So now you were just telling me before how you worked with Velofix. You had a bunch of the franchise and you sold. So go back a little bit into the, the history vault and sure. let's hear how, like, like just all the steps of how it, how you came to have Velofix. Yeah. Yeah. A lot happened in a short period of time, but I, <laughs> I bought my franchise on Christmas Eve. But when you buy the franchise, it takes a few months for them to build out the van. You know, they have to train you on kind of their systems. It's a whole onboarding process, like any franchisee will, will tell you. So my van arrived in Ottawa on March, sorry, May 17th, 2015. Ironically, that, that is the same day as the early bird triathlon that I also happen to now own. So my first day in business, I drove to the early bird triathlon. And that was my first gig, fixing bikes outside the triathlon for uh oh. so did this this van come equipped yeah, with yeah, everything? Yeah. Oh yeah, well, part of it's you know, the franchise responsibility, some of it's my responsibility, but it comes with all the tools, it comes with inventory, the van's got a coffee machine and a TV, it has a Wi-Fi, it has heaters and fans and skylights. It's it's If you haven't seen it, the van is super cool. It's not just kind of your cute van. It is a I have seen it, but I didn't realize like yeah. it's like a drive up here, you can start work kind of. Yeah, it is really neat. If you're into like organization and like you're kind of a tool guy, so to speak, it is the it is the the most fun. It's it's a really cool environment to work in. So I so got my van that that day, and then almost a year to the day, um, I got a call from our president at the time, and he says, "Hey, our director of operations is leaving us. She's going to go start her own business in a in a different industry in different industry." So they asked me to do her job until they found someone kind of more permanent. So my role was director of operations and franchise support. So because I was a franchisee, I think I kind of spoke the language. I could support other franchisees and we could kind of communicate on, you know, the issues and, and you know, the, the speed bumps and the results and everything. And then operations was kind of getting into some of our supplier relations and bringing on brands to work with and new suppliers and vendors and whatnot. Um, so I, did, I was supposed to have the job for a few months. I ended up doing it for almost four years. It was one of the things where... And and yeah. you had your franchise at the same time? Yeah, so I owned so I owned my franchise in Ottawa and then I had my full-time job with head office and I would commute from Ottawa to Vancouver, which is where they're based. So I would do three weeks in Ottawa, fly to Vancouver, do a full week there and then train the new batch of franchisees during the week. And then at night I would do my operations job and you know keep on top of the inbox for Ottawa and manage the staff that I had here. And after a couple of years, it, it got to be a little much, but during those years, I also bought a franchise in BC. I bought uh, the Fraser Valley and the Tri-Cities. If you know those areas, it's uh, not Vancouver. Familiar with Fraser Valley, but not the Tri-Cities. Yeah, so I was the franchisee there. I owned a franchise in Brampton, Orangeville, and Caledon in the GTA. So I think like a lot of, you know, men in their 20s, you have that, that toxic masculinity of like growing your empire and it's going to be great. <laughs> it's going to be big. And it was for a little while and it just got to be a little too much. 
So then I, I sold my franchise in the GTA, sold my franchise in BC, left my role with head office, and I moved all those vans to Ottawa. So now we have four vans in Ottawa, you know, more on the way. And then I was able to take on some responsibility with Somersault because my plate was a little more clear from everything else. So now I'm just the Ottawa guy, so to speak. I have my, my multiple vans and with some great employees that I work with with Somersault, uh, with, with Velofix, sorry. And then I got to bring on Somersault to the portfolio, which is another company that I've known and loved since I was 12 years old. So I, I really have like the, the, dream, the dream lifestyle right now. Yeah, I like you own it and you can also <laughs> accommodate with the van, like the Velofix, the, the, um, the bike mechanic part. Yeah, which is kind of cool. Why not own everything and have it all pulled together? Now, here I have a question because I was telling Adam that I'm looking at a franchise that's in the cycling uh, world. Of course, um, you know, it has to be as part of my passion. Um, how, like, when you said you sold it, like, how hard is it to sell your franchise? Like, you're, like, I guess you decided, like, this part of the franchise I'm going to sell like how how hard is that or is that common yeah I mean emotionally let's say I'll start with that one it wasn't it wasn't that hard because I knew what I wanted to do like I looked at everything I had on my plate and I was having a hard time doing it all and you break it down into like what do I enjoy the most well, I love being in the van like I love talking to people and all that and I enjoy working with my team with Velofix I have like the greatest crew here that I love actually working with so I, I was starting to feel like I wasn't as passionate about my franchise in, let's say, Caledon that I don't go down to see very often. I'm a little out of touch. I don't know the customers. So emotionally, it was easy to kind of part with it because I, I noticed that it wasn't where I you know, had most of my energy dedicated. Finding the right person is always tough. It's, it's definitely, um, I don't know what the word is, but a balance between you can find somebody to buy your franchise or buy your business, but finding the right person I think is much more difficult, but also much more important especially in a franchise world, um, you know, selfishly, you can just sell it to anybody who wants to, to buy a business and they're interested in the world of bike mechanics, let's say. But if they're just, you know, not the right person with the wrong energy or they're just not a strong mechanic or they just don't have the skills to really give the businesses due diligence, I mean, that reflects poorly on the brand, which is only going to come back to hurt me in the long term. So I was super lucky that in, in the case of the um, Brandon, Orangeville and Caledon area, another franchisee who owned Velofix uh, in the GTA wanted to grow their franchise and take over mine. So it was really cool that someone that already knew the world of Velofix and was really good at it, took it on. And then in BC, it happened to be um, someone who was also a great fit. He was working for another bike, uh, bike business and he knew our brand because he'd been a customer of ours before. So he had seen the van, he had, he had experienced the benefits of you know, what an end user customer goes through. So that one was also a pretty organic transition. And, and both those guys are still in business today, you know, years later. So it's, it's, it's done well in the long run for them. Wouldn't you have hired somebody to work in those and run those vans in your franchise? Yeah, exactly. So we, when you sell the business, you can sell a few things. Like with a franchise, you're selling kind of the rights to the, the franchise. Because with Velofix, you have exclusive territories. So when you're selling the franchise, you're selling kind of the exclusivity to operate in certain territories. And on top of that, you have kind of your assets, you know, the van and the tools and the inventory. And then you have kind of your, then the more holistic stuff that people will often call goodwill. Then you kind of, you're selling the fact that you have, you know, staff in place that know how to manage the business and head office has the supplier relations established. So you don't have to go through all that. 
So what you're selling is kind of multitude of things, but in every case, I mean, no one, no one lost their job. Everyone that wanted to stay on board and work with a new team got to, and it was, uh, yeah, really it was as Disney as it sounds, it was uh, a really good match for everybody. There was really no, no losers in the, in those deals. I'm kind of wondering why would you offer it to like your, one of your employees, if they would want to um, take it over or they just sort of like, no, I just like to work. Yeah, totally. Yeah. In my case, my guys, they don't want to be owners. They, they, especially in BC, we have this guy, his name is Guy, actually. And he's still, a, he's still a guy that I keep in touch with constantly. Like we're, we're almost like, I mean, our, our age gap is almost like 30 years apart, but we're like brothers and we still text all the time. We keep in touch, but he was super happy just being the mechanic, which I totally appreciate now that I'm a business owner. Like I never unplug, like even when it's my day off, you check the email once in a while, or if, you know, today is kind of, you know, not race day. You're still thinking about race day a little bit. There's always something to do when you're a business owner, but he really appreciated the fact that, you know, he would work his hours. And when the hours were done, he had a work cell phone that he would leave in the van and he couldn't even check that phone if he wanted to, because it was locked inside the van. So some people really have different motivations. I think people like you and I are motivated by you know, a million things. So we're kind of awesome. We're constantly, you know, spreading ourselves a little too thin sometimes. Um, but some people just really enjoy doing a really good job for the hours they're required to. And then they have a life outside of work. Sometimes I often think about it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like just having the nine to five and then unplugging and then going back. And then I'm like, yeah. could I actually do that for a long period of time? Probably not. Because then I just add things at home. <laughs> you know exactly. I mean? I'm so. the same way. I'm the same way. <laughs> so let's... Uh, so talk about um, just bringing it to Ottawa and, um, and you know, some of the things that you do with VeloFix. Totally. Yeah, it's, it's been so unbelievably well received in Ottawa. I mean, the customers we have are awesome. I think we also have great employees and staff that, that make the interactions so, you know, likely to succeed anyway. If we go to someone's house, we have a mechanic who is just so passionate about cycling talking to a cyclist who's so passionate about cycling. So there's always something exciting to talk about and the experience is just really positive. Um, and our service is just so frictionless, like not, not to make it sound like an elevator pitch, but how practical is it, especially nowadays when we're all a little more hunkered down at home, you don't have to put the bike in the car and drive somewhere and leave it there for a week. I mean, you can schedule a service with us online without even having to pick up the phone. You can just on your phone, just tap the certain date you want and it auto confirms and we just show up at your door fix your bike and it's back within the hour. We don't even leave your driveway. So you don't even worry about us you know, taking it off site. And if the weather's nice, you can stand there and watch too and ask questions and be part of the conversation. So it's, it's, it's a really, I think I, I, I'm biased, but I think it's a great service. So it's been well received. Oh, no, I, I totally get it because I mean, even some people don't, well, they don't want to go somewhere and you know, places are close by or they're very, or they're full or, Ooh. you know, um, especially when you can have everything done in an hour, if it's nothing serious, exactly. you know, straight up tune up um, and um, checking brakes, things like that um, can easily be done instead of having to leave your, your bike for weeks. Yeah. Sometimes when people leave it last minute, <laughs> like in May. Depending on when everyone watches this, you know, book your service now. If you're booking it in May, the wait time's already going to be several weeks long. Yeah, now's a great time to get your bike fixed. Yes, that's right. I keep telling my girls, get your bike. Well, everybody's bikes are on trainers, right? They're like, I don't want to take my bike off the trainer. 
I go, well, you know, it might be a good idea at some point just to take a break and get it all tuned up or. Yeah. And we can do that. We even have customers, same thing. They say, like, I want the fully hands-off service. So we show up, we take the bike off the trainer, we tune it up, we put it back and it's as if we weren't even there kind of thing. The bike just works better all of a sudden and it's ready for spring whenever spring comes. Oh my gosh. Did you guys hear that? He can come and take the bike off the trainer. If you happen to have somebody who installed it for you (laughs) and you don't have to worry, but that's great. I didn't think you did that. But I, I, I can appreciate that a lot of women would probably really like that service. And I'm not just saying because, you know, I know a lot of women who don't like to get into that, you know, the take the back wheel off, you know, especially drivetrain trainers, you know, just setting it all up the way it's supposed to be proper. Yeah. And the, the one feedback we get a lot, especially from women, I don't mean to generalize in that sense. Oh, it's, it's true. <laughs> but is, is that you get one hour of one-on-one time with your mechanic. And again, this is more of a general thing. I think things are improving as years have gone over or gone on, but you're not in a bike shop asking what you feel is like a newbie question to a room full of people who are mostly, or mostly men who might look the part kind of thing. But here you get to have one-on-one time with somebody who can walk you through what your questions are. They're not distracted by the phone ringing and 10 other customers and other employees, you know, needing things. It's, it's a really one-on-one experience where you can ask your questions. You're kind of in a safe space. Um, you can get as hands-on or as hands-off as you want. We can be as you know, supportive or just you know, frictionless as you need. It's, it's the one feedback we get a lot and we get it a lot from women. So I think it's, a, it's, I think it's an appreciated uh, part of the business. So too, especially like, you know, a lot of cases you just roll your bike into a shop and then you don't see it until you go pick it up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they might be, you know, like we did this and we did that, but I, I like that too. And sometimes as a woman, when you're going in and, you know, people think that you should know everything, you're just like, oh, I don't know everything. So I have questions and yeah. like, you can't just hang out with the mechanic in the back, Yeah. say, unless you happen to know and <laughs> know your friend who has the bike shop where you can just walk back there, but that's not the case for everybody. Yeah. And even though you, you can't take their time either. So yeah. I would say that's probably, it's like being a psychiatrist. You can just sort of like, yeah. <laughs> or, or, you know, like a personal trainer, they're doing something for you and you're, you know, you're like, you're offloading all those questions at the same time. Yeah. Wow. I never thought of that. And uh, Hey friends, we're going to take a quick break and I'm going to tell you about a workshop for indoor cyclers. Peloton riders, Swift riders, outdoor cyclists that is so revolutionary, you'll wonder why you've never heard about it. So we all know that improving your cycling skills, whether inside or outside is important, but how do we know what we need to train and how to get started? Let me just add that this workshop, like I mentioned, is perfect for indoor cycling and anybody who rides on the Peloton. So the good news is that there is a lot of ways to improve your cycling skills. You could take a class or hire a coach, follow a friend or continue struggling year after year. But these options can be expensive and time consuming. The solution? I have created an online cycling skills workshop for female cyclists. It's a safe environment 
where I go over the four essential skills that I have identified as a cycling coach working and coaching over 900 women in the past 14 years, building confidence as cyclists. So here they are. The four areas are pedal stroke efficiency, hill climbing, straight training, and speed, with an added bonus on nutrition. This workshop will cover these essential skills in four one-hour sessions, where I will explain, demonstrate, and have you practice the skill. At the end of each workshop, homework in the way of drills will be handed out for you to practice. It's the fastest and easiest way to get all the essential cycling skills that you can apply immediately, either online or outside on the road. The recordings are also available. As an additional bonus, you will have access to weekly live strength training workouts and yoga. In just four weeks, guaranteed, this workshop can turn or any cyclist into a better rider, no matter what their skill level bike they're sitting on. So how do you register? You go to cyclingskillspro.com and register for one of our monthly workshops. I look forward to sharing my cycling skills and tips to help make you a more skilled, confident cyclist on the road, on your Peloton, on Swift, or indoor trainer. See you there and see you online. So here, did you hear that? Ladies and or boy, boys and girls or ladies and men, you can hire them out to come to your house. Okay, what's an hour, an hour rate? 99 bucks. 99 bucks. Because I know I have questions about some bikes. And like, I'm like, I don't want to bring it in. And it's that thing. I don't want to bring it into the shop because they're going to look at me like I'm crazy. And, and it's been, you know, like, it's, I don't know, like, I know, I know enough to um, do some general stuff on my bike, but there's things that I have no clue about. And, um, and it almost feels like, oh my God, I have to go in, take my bike, bring it in. Um, they're going to look at me funny. Uh, like, ladies, right? Like you feel like that? Maybe some guys too. Um, you know, some, some shops have good customer service and some shops don't, and it hinders you from going in. And so I like this op opportunity and option actually. Um, all right. So also with VeloFix, if you're local or if you, um, are anywhere, is it just in Canada? By the way, Canada and the U.S. I mean, there's franchises from Halifax to Hawaii, so everywhere in between. Okay, so if you happen to have an event, a cycling event, every cycling event needs a mechanic on course or on like at the start um, for those last minute tweaks and everything. And you can hire these guys, right? Are you hireable for that or? Absolutely. Yeah, we, we the last years have been tough for events in general, right? But couple of years ago, I think there was one year we did over a hundred events, like sure. A lot of them were sports, but we would even go to, let's say like a farmer's market. So you can pick up your groceries and whatnot. But if you wanted to bike to the farmer's market, we would park your bike for you. We could answer your questions. You could bike there and get your tune up done while you're shopping for tomatoes. So yeah, at any event can hire us. We're, uh, we're happy to be out there in the community. Okay. So let's talk about the fee for that. Mm -hmm. Cause I'm sure, cause 
I know like with our event, um, like I have a friend, well, I know Mike from Eurosports, he comes out and he puts up a tent and it's beneficial for people to see him there, get to know him, and then they go to a shop. So it's of no charge to me. Um, but how do you guys work um, events and like on-site um, tune-ups and things like that? Totally, yeah. We, so two options, we can either just charge, well, there's two and a half options. We can do it where we just charge 99 bucks an hour. And for that, you get us there for however long you want. So you can do a one hour event or a five hour event or anything in between. The other option, and then with that, so for, for that price, we won't charge any of the consumers. So if someone comes up and wants like a, a cable change order, we'll charge them for the cable, but not for the install because you've then paid for the labor. The other option is we do some events where um, the service is paid for, let's say by an employer. So this is a little more different than events, but we have some company that say, hey, I have 10 employees. And instead of buying them all a bottle of wine and a gift card to whatever, I'd rather just pay for a nice tune-up. I want to encourage them to ride their bike and be active and yada, yada. So they'll, they'll go ahead and they'll pay for our time and we'll just do all the bikes there. And it's, and it's kind of no cost to the consumer. And then there's kind of the hybrid option. We've had some employers that say, hey, my budget is 50 bucks a head. And you know, that's what I pay every year for my bottle of wine and my gift card. Um, so all, all, all they will pay for the first 50 bucks of every tune-up. So that way their employees get this email or whatever it is. And they say, hey, tune-ups are now $49 instead of $99. And the employer subsidizes some of it. And then the employee can subsidize some of it. And you can move that line wherever you want. Some employers can't afford to pay it at all. So the cost is burdened by the employee. And sometimes it's the employer can pay all of it. And sometimes it's anywhere in between. Wow, that is really cool. I like having different options. Like I like hearing about different options for yeah. gifts for employees. I think that's great. So would yeah. you go on site and say, okay, this afternoon, bring your, like, has anybody done that? You're there for like four hours and employees can bring their bikes in and you can. Yeah. All the time. Yeah, we do it where it can be one of two options where it's kind of just a drop in like, Hey, we're here for a couple hours and our time has been paid for come by, ask your questions. We'll fix flat tires and do little things or whatever, whatever's needed really. But then if you really wanted to know how many tune-ups you're going to do, you're going to got to book off the right amount of time. And uh, we did one, well, we, we do one contract every year where it's one employer who does like 500 tune-ups for all their employees. So we're there for like a week straight. We set up in the parking lot. We even like rent a fence and put it in and they have like, they have music, like the employer does like a music thing and they have like food once in a while. And for them, it's kind Gosh, of, whole... who is that? Can I ask? I, I'm not supposed to say who the name is, but it's okay. Uh, okay. But anyways, that's super cool. Yeah. yeah, so, yeah we can do, and so that's obviously a more of an extreme for very large practice. You can bring in a knife or whatever, or you can bring in a special guest speaker or a keynote speaker, um, or you can bring us in, right? Where we're usually a little more affordable. <laughs> I like you'd have all of it. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So we, we do a lot of cool things with a lot of cool companies too. Gosh, I never thought of that. So uh, here for our listeners, if you are part of a company an owner of a company, or, or maybe you're the organizer, or even like offering up the suggestion to your employer, if you have lots of cyclists um, who are employees, or even to encourage people to bring their bike, you don't have to necessarily be a cyclist and, and ride to work. This is a great option to have them contact VeloFix and have them come in and, and take care of your old beater bikes. 
<laughs> oh my god so all right now let's because like i said i was looking at a franchise and you've gone through a lot of franchising um selling acquiring now knowing that i'm looking at one what kind of advice can you give me adam the the big like, thing the big is- thing is when you're buying a franchise, you're buying into a brand that's not your own. So you have to make sure that you you align well with that brand because you don't get to control it. Like sure, you're gonna have so much control over your local franchise and you can be engaged in your community the way you want to, but you don't get to control what the brand kind of controls around you. So this, this, is, this isn't true, but I'll just give you a, an ad hoc example. Um, with my franchise, we do everything. We'll do Vitra bikes, we do $20,000 bikes. We're kind of known for being more, let's say, like the road bike shop. We're kind of known for, you know, professional service and high quality. That's not to say I can't do all these things, but if I was, let's say, a person who was uh, a pure mountain biker and a pure elitist, and you know, we had a we had an attitude of um, we only want to work on the highest end mountain bikes. I can go out there and find ways to build that clientele and become known as the high end mountain bike shop. But if all the branding for my franchisor is all about road bikes and all about kind of that mid to high price point there's going to be a conflict there already and you're not going to get the value that you want because you guys aren't seeing eye to eye. So it's really making sure that you guys are truly on the same page because you don't, frankly, you don't, you don't, you don't control that relationship. You have a say in it, but as a franchisee, you're kind of at the mercy of the franchisor. That's, that's the biggest one. And I'm thinking that now that I, you know, now that I'm looking at this and other similar type of franchiser are actually in my neck of the woods and I don't have to, you know, maybe it's, I, I should do a conscious look at what else is around here. Cause I never thought that this, this would be around you because I've never heard of it until of course, now you start talking and thinking and reading about it. And then all the, everything starts popping in, right? It's just like, you know, you talk about a one one type of car, and then all of a sudden you start seeing them everywhere, and and uh, yeah. So, in your opinion of looking for a franchise, like I know that you like happen to come across this one, but what would you give as an an advice? Like some people say, you know, do you really want to work in your passion? Like as a sport because you're going to be immersed in it all the time and you're not going to be able to you know enjoy it as much with I don't find that but you know some people say that maybe you might want to work at something else and then be able to enjoy your passion like as a second stream but what do you think there's there's so it's so funny because there's so many like cliches out there that you Mm -hmm. hear a bunch of times and I'm not I'm not a contrarian kind of person but all those things to me just haven't rung true. Like, you know, they say like, don't mix business with pleasure. Mm-hmm. And, and I, and I, I heard that and I, and I took it, you know, at face value and I, I, not I listened to it, but I, I respected it. But I found to me that it's just like, just didn't work out. Like business and pleasure totally belong together. Similarly, they say never hire your friends and family. Well, I've done that and I'll never do that again. Oh, so there you go. So that's, that's, a, that's a great <laughs> example. Cause I mean, my sample size is one, right? Like my, like my mom is my bookkeeper and we get along great. We can oh. still, like, which always <laughs> some people might not work out and that's a relationship you got to figure out on your own. But some of my you know, closest friends and family either work with me or work for me. And then 
somersault's a little bit different, but on, on race day, you do rely on your network a little bit to make an event happen. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of cliches out there that haven't rung true for me, but again, that's, that's a sample size of one. So don't, don't always take them uh, as gospel, I guess. Did you look at other franchises when you were looking or is it just, it just fell into your lap? Kind of yes, yeah, so I was looking at a few things and you'll probably do the same thing as either looking at doing it on your own, doing it mm -hmm. as a franchise or doing it as, well, I'll say as an employee. So you can either go work for a great company. So I hate to tie it back to me, but you asked me. So I had the option, <laughs> let's say, as like a rep for a brand like Shimano. So I, I can mm -hmm. go to the industry that I'm passionate about, but I'm going to be a representative of a brand. And that's one mm -hmm. option where there's way less risk involved because I'm not at the top of the helm. I'm not the owner. So I'm way less mm -hmm. exposed, but I have way less opportunity. Then there's the middle option of being in a franchisee-franchisor relationship where they take care of a lot of things. I take care of a lot of things. And that's the relationship. Or I can go in it on my own, I could have opened up Adam's bike shop, right? So anybody who's looking to start any business should look at kind of all three. Do you want to do it for yourself, do it for somebody else, or do it kind of as a franchisee franchisor model? And each yeah. one has their, has their pros and cons. Um, mm -hmm. It depends on who you are, who they are. So I'll speak to the, the franchisee franchisor one because that's the most relevant. And I think that relationship by definition is always going to have some conflict because the franchisee is, is a little more selfish. You know, it's their business. They do all the work to, to build the business at a ground level and as a, as a, at a grassroots level, but they don't control the brand. And then the brand has kind of all the power, but they haven't done the work. So it's, there, there's kind of this, this tug of war that's constantly going on. And a franchisee has to pay something to the franchise or either as royalties or as like a startup cost or whatever it is. So the question often is, is you know, for those fees and prices and whatnot, can I go do it for myself on my own or, or am I willing to pay somebody to take on the marketing or the branding or the collateral? If those are things that you're not strong at, like myself, it worked out really, really well. Like I'm not, I'm a creative type in certain ways, but I'm not, I'm not going to be good at creating my own logos. And um, I'm not great at, let's say hiring and negotiating with every little supplier out there. So to be able to pay somebody, i.e. my franchisor, to kind of take care of that, it lets me focus on being at events and hiring the best mechanics that I can and, and ongoing training and making sure our business runs as smoothly as possible. So for me, it works really, really well, but I could see a world where someone who is more creative than I am and wants to be involved with some of the collateral and the posters and the social media style and whatever it is, right? I could see that being a friction point. So your values have to really align to be suitable for a franchisee franchisor relationship. And there's always going to be some friction. And the irony is that a lot of business owners are very um, str strongly opinionated and very self-sufficient. So to work with someone in that capacity can also be tough. I think it's worked well for me, but I'm the first to admit that having been employed by myself for 10 years now, I would be the worst employee. If I were to go work for a business, I would, I, I would do the best I could. But I just feel like after 10 years of being able to do things my way and be able to decide just like that, you know, oh, should I do this or that? Let's do that. Then, then having to work with employees and bosses and coworkers, I just know that as much as I'm an happy-go-lucky guy, I wouldn't work well in that situation. So, yeah, you got three options, but it depends on who you are and who they are and what you uh, can bring to the table and what you want from the other partner. Wow, that's really interesting that you say that. Because, yeah. <laughs> I mean, somebody did say, why, why can't you do it your own? I said, I could, but... 
right now, I think for me is, is that like having all that taken care of, like, I just, you know, I've had my own business before and I'm just like, you know, and I didn't do some of that stuff very well. And that's why I like the part of having it taken care of and also the marketing, things like that. Um, and just learning from them. Cause I mean, you had a great, like you started learning, which is a big part. Like once you've learned everything and then like you take over the business, it's a lot easier. Um, and also the team I'm, I'm uh, you know, I've been a solo entrepreneur for a while and, and, um, just having people to work with, even though they're not with me, um, is kind of, is appealing to me right now. Um, the other part that I've enjoyed a lot and depends on how dense your franchise is, but Velofix has 150 locations. So we're, we're quite big. I mean, I know it sounds simple, but we have a Facebook group that's private just for all the owners and all like the head mechanics. And it's great to bounce ideas around as where if I was doing it on my own, I could Google all I want, but now there's a situation where so I'm working on a bike and I have a question. I can post it to that group and they can kind of crowdsource it for me. Or I can say, hey guys, I've been thinking about this, not sure how to go about it. Like sure, I can ask my franchisor. But then I also have this, this network of people that are in the field with me and they kind of know what I'm going through day to day. So that that to me has been a tremendous, tremendous value. So depending on how big, you know, the, the franchise yeah. is and, and how dense it is, if there's franchises, mm -hmm. kind of, if you have someone in Montreal or Toronto, you guys might become really, really close friends and work closely together. And that's I don't want to say free, but it's a, it's a free add-on, right? Like you're not necessarily paying for that, but there, there's, there's big value there. There is big value. And that's, a, that's where like, I mean, it's great going and being your own boss and things like that. But I'm like, I think I'm just over it. I, don't, I want to sound like, um, you know, people like, well, you can do it and you can, you know, make the money and da, da, da. I'm like, you know what? I, I think it's, it's also like an, 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 I don't know, an ego thing. Like I just, you know, I, I really am, I think just want to put that stuff aside and work with a team and, uh, and build like something successful with a team with, even if it's, you know, another company, um, that's doing it well. And, uh, you know, yeah. Um, yeah, it's a big, Huh? A very exciting but scary decision. Yeah, it's a big internal struggle too, because you know, like, yeah, I could do it because it's like in my wheelhouse. So, but the thing is that I really want to learn, and it's a learning experience too. Like, learn what they're doing, what they're doing well. It's just like you know the the other one, like pedal heads, and uh, there's a couple other similar franchises that I'm are similar. Um, and uh, it's always ideal to, if you can work for them and then, you know, like learn everything and then you feel more capable of going out on your own and being able to do it. I just am missing that part, right? Yeah. Really good with adults. The kids, uh. <laughs> so that's another part, but, um, oh, wow, this has been a great conversation and, um, I'm just thinking if there's anything else I want to ask you, because there's so many different things. I'm, I'm really, I didn't realize VeloFix was that big yeah. and, uh, and all the things that you guys do. So with that, 
Do you have anything, where can we find you? Obviously uh, here in Ottawa or across Canada, where can they find, uh, I guess I go to Velofix. So it's, it's, it's as easy as that. If you go to velofix.com, you punch in your postal code or your zip code and it finds the local franchise. So even if you're, I don't know, doing Ironman Hawaii or you're on vacation in Halifax, you can just book in your service right then and there. So it's been really practical for people who travel or if you move different cities or you want to you know, book a tune-up for your friend who lives in a different city as a kind of a gift, where oh. we are all accessible through velofix.com. You can go to the Ottawa page too if you want to see more about me. But to book a service, I mean, we're on every social media platform, but the website is uh, super easy, just based off postal or zip code. That's right. Don't leave these things to the last minute either. Yeah, book it now. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing worse like, oh my God, I got to be somewhere tomorrow. Can you come here today? Uh, no. <laughs> yeah. Well, this has been autumn, uh, awesome, Adam. Thank you so much for being um, on the podcast and uh, allow, and you know, just sharing everything with us. I hope as listeners, you've taken a couple, um, you know, a couple tips away and you're looking at their social media platforms and you're booking in your um tune up before the spring because like he says you can go and take your bike off the trainer and put it back on like it was never there um and also make sure you follow them check out adam um follow the podcast secrets from the saddle podcast on instagram myself and with that have an amazing day thanks a lot thanks a lot adam for uh making this possible thanks for having me Thank you so much for spending this time with me on the Secrets from the Saddle podcast, learning more about sighting people, places, and things that make cycling such an exciting sport. I am so glad you stopped by today. Please leave me a review if you feel so moved to do so. I would love to hear your feedback. And if you could take one second to share this episode with someone you think would enjoy it, I would be forever grateful. Also, if you could please leave me a review if you feel so moved by going to iTunes and leaving me an honest thought and an honest comment telling me what you think and most importantly, tell me what you'd like to hear more of. It would really help me to bring more great, inspiring cycling stories to you. Until then, have an amazing day. Make sure you ride your bike. And don't forget to visit my YouTube channel if you'd like to see the full version of this podcast live.